thing. Kingdom Hearts wouldn't do this. Kingdom Hearts doesn't do this. Kingdom Hearts is not capable of doing Kingdom this. Kingdom Hearts is a bad game, Ari. Fuck you. Kingdom Hearts is... I'm sorry, that was really mean. That was not that, but, um, okay, can I do the opening bit? No, 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 no. One second, because I'm not done. Because Kingdom Hearts is a very good game. It's okay if it doesn't make sense. It's okay if it's dumb and kind of bad sometimes. It still has really good moments, and it, 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 it's a good story. If we're evaluating it on basic gameplay merits, I don't, I don't really know if I can call it a good game, because it's bad. Um, and its gameplay is very much um, bad. It's very bad. It's when the second Square Enix stopped doing turn-based RPGs and tried to do fucking mm-hmm. melee combat in its RPGs. I just why don't I just fucking kill? Okay, you know why what? This was like Call I, of you know Duty, what? You did a better yeah? opening bit. Fucking play you Call did a better Duty. opening bit than I would have done if I had actually gotten to do the bit I wanted. So here we go. We're going into the show. All right. Holding, and this, is, and this is what something that bothers me about fan fiction critique. Fan fiction critique is that people are like, you don't oh. hold a breath when you kiss someone. I'm like, actually, sometimes you fucking do. Have you never like? That's why when people make out, Have they're you like, never kiss someone who's eating garlic. And like, no, it's also that like when you're really like sucking face, like that's why you're kind of panting when you do it. Not like, even yeah, like you you're sort holding of the breath holding deliberately. Your, you know what? I'm sorry that people haven't fucking kissed intently enough that they're breathing hasn't been fucking interfered with. But that's not my fucking problem. It's like a vacuum. Nor is it something I should need to amend as a writer. Anyway. Well, also, you have to kind of take a fair amount of artistic license. Like, it's, it's, you don't, I don't, I'm not a biologist, I'm a writer. The uh, best DC TV podcast on television. And uh, this week's episode was the fourth episode of the third season titled We Can't Even Afford to Say E.T., they did once, and I think Steven Spielberg rolled up and just held his hand out I, I to think Phil. Steven Spielberg does now own one of Phil Klemmer's children as, like, a live-in servant. That's fine. Does Phil, does he have children? Oh, God, for his sake, I hope not. I hope because not. Because that's um, someone he loves. Okay, do you want to know what my opening bit was going to be? Uh, sure. It was going to be, it was going to be, I have a list of grievances, and I have a little list on my computer that reads, list of grievance. Cold Wave has never kissed on the mouth. I demand. I mean, and that and that was going to be my opening bit. I mean, it's it's. I mean, it was it it it, 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 it had potential. It's like it's, it's funny, but it's not as authentically funny as you fucking going on about some stupid Disney I'm genuinely, game. Genuinely, I no, because Kingdom like I'm not saying that Kingdom Hearts is a good game in terms of gameplay content. I am saying that. Do you want to tell I, the listeners about your uh, ships? Fuck you. Okay. I, I, I will, I will, I will hang myself. So with this what did you, sword. what did you think about this week's episode? I'm okay. Um, I'm upset with how good these episodes continue to be. I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I, 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 when this show was good and I mean, really and truly and genuinely good. Like I was moved to tears at certain scenes in this episode. So was I. I and that makes me so fucking angry. I, I'm afraid and angry. I I don't like it. All right. I, I have another like grievance. Uh, the episode that uh, John Constantine is going to be in is the episode with daddy in the title. Oh, do you think it's because he calls Damien Dark that? You saying that 
just I'm sent sorry. gay rights back like I'm 20 years. They took, they, I just got a phone call from the president. No, of, of. No, no, not the pre- You got a call from, uh, who do we respect? Guy Fieri just I got a call from said. Guy Fieri. Gay marriage is over. You ruined it. Congratulations. <laughs> sorry. I had to apologize to Guy Fieri because you had to make a daddy joke. How does that make you feel? Hey, can we focus on the real issues here? <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Uh, so first off, I have I can't believe Guy a couple Fieri of cats. is in charge of I've gay marriage. I've mentioned Phil. I also have a cat named Damien, and I named her after um, Bruce Wayne's son. I named her after Damien Wayne, but now I'm deeply upset by this because my cat is fluffy and fat and amicable and likes to sit on my computer and has no regard for any of my personal possessions or personal space, and she's not a daddy because that's not an acceptable I thing. I feel like we should probably move on. I'm very upset by that. I don't yeah, want to think about that. Yeah. I don't want to think about that. Also, happening. I'm going to say it. Matt Lensher was right there. I, you can't, if we talk about it, we're going to get arrested. I by feel like, like if anyone was going to listen to this podcast, he seems like he might actually give it a try if someone sent it to him. And, and that's <laughs> probably the biggest concern I've ever had in my life. Yes, I don't. I don't like, ever want. I would. I. I, I will. I. I, will I unspeak that into <laughs> out of existence. I cast that out. <laughs> but with that being said, let's focus on this episode. Um, hold on. We were making some jokes a little earlier on, um, in the day about how similar I am to Ray sometimes, uh, in my mannerisms or behavior, and there were points in this episode where. Baby Ray was essentially saying things that I had said at the age of nine or ten, like word for word. Um, I think I think my favorite was the "Toys are our friends" bit. The and just- Baby Ray said that because I was watching it, and of course Ari has told me a lot about their childhood. And I'm just watching, and I was like, "Oh my god, that is Ari." The toys are friends, and the um, always taking in stray animals. Yeah, this is this is a problem for me. It was, and I mean, that was the thing. There is, are some really oddly like this is for you, Ari moments yeah. in this episode. Like to a weird extent, like Ray watching musicals. Um, Ray naming the baby Gumball made me laugh because I was I I couldn't help but think of the Amazing World of Gumball, and I was thinking of the protagonist of the show. And obviously, the show was not made in 1988, but it was just really funny to have that kind of context. Gumball would um, name a baby alien that he found Gumball, though he'd name it Gumball Junior. Yeah, hundred percent. And that um, that could be uh, whoever's in charge of Gumball. Get in touch with us and not and Phil Clemmer. We know what uh, we're doing. I, I I do I really liked this episode. I love the opening of it was very funny and very self-aware. It was like they've done these sort of cute pseudo cold opens for every episode of the season so far and they're they're very fun it little It works bits. really well for um, them. Incidentally, it really does. Uh, Adam Wave Trustfall, thank you, Phil. I guess this is my reward so once again for doing all of the publicity I, for this show. Yes. And my firstborn um, child is going to be named Adam Wave Trustfall. <laughs> um, I'm sure your dad, your dad will love that. Uh, I'm not let's... fucking inviting him. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Um, I want to actually talk about something we discussed last week. And I think it's like interesting to bring up now is Legends has been getting so good. And you've heard our reactions, uh, listeners, our reactions of mixed shock, fear, surprise. Um, <laughs> apathy. And sort of a I cold think, sweat that you get in the middle of the night. Yeah, we got the meat sweats over this. And um, 
the thing that is so interesting to me is I think part of the reason the show is succeeding is that when you have other adaptations of comic book shows, um, I mean comic books into shows, you end up adapting storylines from the comics. And that hinders the story somewhat because inevitably people who are into the show who are into it because they are into the comic or discover the comic through the show and then come back to the show with this understanding will go, you guys bungled this plot line. Like you could not have fucked this up more. You if can you... just say the flash. Yeah. We know what you're saying. Also mean, I, I mean, here's the thing is I mean literally every single comic book adaptation with the kind of exception of Thor, because they basically threw out all of that mythology um, and everything surrounding it. They just, which is fine. I honestly think it makes for a more streamlined story. I don't care Legend's about that. Strength is that it comes from sort of these characters that are, you know, lesser known and are sort of becoming, they're almost becoming like A-list heroes in their own right through legends and not through yeah. the comics. Like we're never going to see Sarah Lance or Amaya Jewey in the comics, especially given how um, Dan Didio allegedly feels about DC TV. And that's what I'm going to say on that. But you, know, you shouldn't throw the baby out yeah, with the bathwater. You do throw the baby out with the bathwater. And one of those big things is especially even just bringing up Sarah is that DC comics, like the comics department has rallied so hard around Dinah Laurel Lance after what Mark Guggenheim did that there's just never going to be any room for Sarah. Which, again, is a shame. Sarah's a great character in her own right, not on Arrow. What is interesting to me from a purely adaptational standpoint is that there is no framework, no existing storylines to adapt for this team. There is no this team there in the comic. There actually is a Legends of Tomorrow happening in DC Rebirth right now, and I think that it's like metamorphosis. Like, I think Steel but is there, but like, it's sort of... That was created after yeah. the show. I'm it not was counting. created after the show, and that's what I think is so interesting, is that like, that's one of the first instances that DC was like, oh, okay, I guess if there's a show, maybe we should try to have a team of losers in the comics. Which and, I don't, I don't know, I, I think the out, like, it's kind of like I the outsiders... Have a really- um, the, the point I'm trying to make is that this is the first show that does not have any sort of storylines to adapt, any sort of team to base itself off of, any supporting characters it feels the need to have. Therefore, what they're doing, rather than adapting specific storylines, is looking at what people think of in very broad archetypal terms as a comic book style story and basing their stories after after that perception. And that is so interesting to me because it's why we've had such strange and fun plot lines because it's like they looked at the covers of a bunch of comic books and said, let's try to write a show that is just all of these moments on the covers of comic books from the Silver Age strung together. And I love that. Just the amount of special effects they used in this episode because thinking about it is giving me an ulcer of some kind. I cannot quite tell if they CGI'd the, the, the dancing at the end of the episode because it didn't look like how real people dance. So I don't know if that was just the actors being instructed to, to dance very stiffly and strangely or they really I did. I saw behind act- the scenes stuff from Brandon and that's what the instruction was. Okay, thank God. I was like, if you fucking CGI'd you CGI'd dancing, a dance scene, Philip. I swear to God. I, I'm like, we don't have the money for that. You cannot do I this. I have a question, because why does Singing in the Rain keep coming up? Because that's also Barry's favorite musical. Is it good? Here, Here's the thing. Because I'm is, with Mick. If, the if only any musical... of you have ever heard the term small reference pools, it is basically 
a when a piece of media has to reference another piece of media, especially when they're talking about representing a larger genre. Like if 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 for example a show is trying to reference a science fiction show, they're not going to to think, oh, let's reference the quarter mass experiment because what they're going they're not going to reference obscure things. They're going to reference something that is immediately understood as indicative of a cultural understanding of what this genre is and what its hallmarks are, which is very interesting to me um, as someone who consumes a lot of genre fiction. Singing in the Rain is very much, if you ask someone who has never seen a musical to describe a musical to you, and they just describe what they've seen of other musicals being expressed like briefly in the background and in other episodes of television or what have you, they will come up with something that sounds a lot like Singing in the Rain. It's it's that and My Fair Lady. Those are the musicals that people okay, well, reference. Well, My Fair Lady is a classic, so that's fair. And that's also, oh no, that's Hello Dolly that I'm thinking of. When I was yeah. in the fifth grade, our two fifth grade plays were My Fair Lady and Hello Dolly. Amazing. Um, that's that's like that's 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 like the vintage musical Speedball. Um, but yeah, like that- and we also did Speedballs, which was so weird because we were ten. <laughs> But it is the sort of thing where they're referencing My Fair Lady because even people who don't understand or know musicals Wait, will understand actually, that they are speaking referencing of, a Speaking musical. of 10-year-olds doing drugs, um, there are some plot hole questions I'd like to ask about this episode. If we could just start. Yeah. Okay. Number one, how old is Ray in this episode? Because Brandon, I think, is going to be... Yeah, he's 39. So if he died in 1988 as a child so phil in the behind the scenes thing phil clemmer is like here he is he's 10 years old but then amaya in the episode goes oh he was only eight when he got murdered and then when they pick him up from school he's in middle school so on tv skipping grades quote unquote happens more often than i have ever seen it happen in real life uh we kind of understand now that having children skip grades is really awful for their social development. This was 1988. That science would have existed. That psychology, we understood that you could not put an eight-year-old in with a bunch of 12 to 13-year-olds and have that work out well in the eight-year-old's favor. So I don't know if they realized that and they just sort of had us think that Ray skipped grades if they didn't care which is also likely, or if they simply don't, like, if no one on the writing staff has any children right now, and they're like, how old was I in fifth grade? I don't fucking remember. Um, I just think it's the sort of thing that they, they did without, like, off the cuff, nobody really thought it through, and nobody considered the implications of it, because I know this sounds cynical, but odds are high that TV writers are not thinking as hard about the television they're producing as we are when we're critiquing it, because of the way that television is written. So well, if they thought I'll about it some... too hard, we wouldn't have this podcast. So keep yes. up the good work, Phil. I am going to assume that Ray skipped grades because he does seem socially stunted, but he is also very clearly like, yeah, he has I was going to bring it up. But we want to talk about how he was so clearly autistic in the 80s and the show is never going to say it. But no. everything from the way his mom spoke to the way he acted to the way he talks about the way he felt about other children was he so other children. The way he felt about the way he felt about animals, the way he felt about pretty much like I don't know. I I have to admit that some of my personal bias is leaking in here because I was a disabled kid with no I went to private school, so their idea of having special services was have you tried not being that way? And it 
didn't really help me much in the long run. So with that in mind, Ray's, I don't really want to talk about Ray's mom too much in detail because it's like uncomfortable for me to the extent of, I don't feel like putting that out there on a dumb podcast where we make jokes about a silly TV show. So all I'm going to say is, you know, I'm going to try to keep this broad and not too, you know, I don't want to, I will spare y'all the gory details, but Ray's mom's contempt for her son was really exhausting, especially since at the end of the episode, they felt the need to have Ray go, you're doing your best. It's okay. I, you know, you're a great mom. They did this with Nate's dad last season too. I'm so tired of it. Um, especially, you know, I noticed this this week. I am really hard on parent characters. And again, like that's something I don't really feel like getting into on a silly podcast where we make death threats to uh, Phil Clemmer. Allegedly. Allegedly. Fuck. But I Uh, will say, I will say, you know, and this is my view on parent characters is they are either, uh, characters I would die for unflinchingly. Uh, you have characters, it's like, it's like on a spectrum, you have characters like Toriel from Undertale, and then the other end of the spectrum, you have this fucking parent, and this fucking parent on the CW, and all these fucking asshole parents I on the CW. I was literally just gonna say Quentin Lance. Quentin Lance is, Quentin Lance is a, is, is, is the fucking devil. I hate I, him. my favorite Quentin Lance, Lance scene is when, uh, Nyssa almost killed him, because Nyssa is the I hero we deserve. Laurel begged her not to, which is just so like. Listened. Uh, I do too. Like, I wish Laurel, like he should have died instead of used. Laurel first and foremost. I hate, her. I hate him so much. He I should have been I, dead I, day I'm, one, minute one. Honestly, I, I we we can't talk about him because this will devolve into a forty-minute death threat against Quentin Lance. Not his actor, who's apparently a very nice man. I yeah, hate Paul's that great. character the way I hate maybe two or three characters in all of fiction. I hate him. I and actually don't that, even know who the other characters in fiction that you hate are. I just uh, know you hate Quentin Lance that much. Quentin Lance, Discord for My Little Pony, um, Friendship is Magic, uh, and then there's probably a couple others I don't remember. Those are my... When I think of characters I fucking hate that I'm not expected to hate because they're villains, um, I'm not including like antagonists who are obviously bad people. I'm talking about people the narrative is trying to convince me are good people for whatever reason. Fuck Quentin Lance. Fuck Discord. There's probably a couple characters I've missed, but they're honestly the probably they're kind of actually no. I've never watched an episode of Friendship Is Magic, so saying that they're similar would be disingenuous no, they, for me because they very much there's some similarities there. So I very clearly hate abusive men whose behavior everyone is expected to tolerate. But this oh, so also arrows to... Oliver Queen. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, him too. Um. So three characters. Uh. Three. No, that's four. No. No way. I'll I'll come in again. Um. Sorry. Um. I hate myself for that reference. I really yeah, hate. I didn't get that. That went right over my fucking head. Never mind. It's it's not worth it. Um, <laughs> uh, I have to put a quarter in the Monty Python reference jar, reference jar ad nauseum. Um, but to get back to what we really loved about this episode was it was so innocent and it was so like childlike in its fantasy story like it was a they didn't do too much focus on like another episode of legends might have been all about the government stuff surrounding the dominator it might have been about the government uh, the government's response to the dominators or argus or whatever but instead they put it from this very innocent child first focus that made for a really engaging episode because it's it, we love ray i mean the two of us love ray i assume most people watching the show love ray because he's not the sort of character people can hate unless they're wrong and bad so 
With you know that, who we're talking about. You know, he is, it reaffirms, we were talking last week about how he is the moral fulcrum of this show. This this episode Oh my god, that did completely re- God, we're right about everything all the time. Yeah, we are. But it reaffirmed- but In all fairness, the show is not rewriting the wheel in terms of narrative devices. So, like, no. maybe we're just- particularly just, observant and like how do they hold on there's a there's a specific line in uh the last unicorn if you can give me like two seconds to pull out my copy of it if possible um, um i think you left your copy of the last unicorn at my apartment no i have two of them oh uh, thank god I, what <laughs> well because i bought you one in um yes you did okay you're right okay. i do have it's um, right near the witch's I, guide to gardening okay these are I, normal I, books that normal people own Yes, probably. Okay, so I can't find it. I'm not going to stop this podcast to look for it, but there's a point in time where Schmendrick is being held hostage and he's trying to tell uh, Captain Cully, who's like the Robin Hood pastiche of the book, um, tales of his exploits. He has no idea who this guy is, but they make a point. He's like, he doesn't, he didn't know who this man was, but he was well-versed in Anglo-Saxon mythology and he knew the type. And that is us right now. Phil Clemmer has us tied to a tree and is trying to make us tell him about his show. And even if we'd never seen the show, we could give you a pretty succinct summary of the show because it's, it's really not that, it's not that deep. I've seen Superman the Animated Series. Yeah. But I did, I mean, here's the thing, is I loved Zari having everyone pinned down immediately, because that makes sense for her character to have, sorry to jump right into this, but going back to the episode. Uh, Yeah, um, I actually wanted to go into a couple, like, Zari-related things, and, like, talk about the childlike um, innocence of the episode. Yeah. Um, um, Oh my god, what what did I want to say? Hold on, you have to give me, like, 20 seconds to regain my thoughts. Oh, okay, so there were a few things I loved about this episode. Um, First and foremost, yeah, like you said, I mean, here's the thing, is that, like, First of all, how is that supposed to be Ray Palmer when everybody knows children from Iowa are born for nine and by the time they're eight or about six, eight? I liked, I mean, listen, I don't, I know, I know jokes, but like his, 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 the kid actor playing him was very cute. He was very, he was very cute, but I think Brandon's son is actually larger than him and he's four. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't spend my time analyzing, uh, pics of celebrities, children. Okay. Please of- don't make me sound like a fucking monster you know i don't <laughs> no i'm sorry i'm just giving you a hard time holy uh, shit the cops are gonna come to my apartment because i looked at two pictures that brendan Routh posted of his own son i was like hmm, that's a large child and now you're making a thing out of it i wasn't well, i hate I you see those pictures and i wasn't trying to measure his kid like a fucking fish isn't that what you do with children know. You make them stand in the doorway and then you measure their weird child heights. No, I'm sorry. You have to throw your kid in a lake and then hook them in and pull them back out. That's how Nixano taught his son to swim. Oh, quick thing. Before I go into um, all the emotions I had about this episode, which are disgusting and sentimental, do you want to talk about how you feel about uh, Nate Haywood having a really strong opinion on Billy Joel's discography? Fuck! Oh my god! Okay. So story time. Uh, Brief story time. My family is a very large family, and we would drive to places uh, when we went on vacation. I want to mention an Italian-American family, much like the one that Nick Zano grew up in. (laughs) Trying to get 9,000 children and, like, so much luggage on, you know, a plane, even pre-9-11, was not fucking happening. So we would drive places, and one of my very few childhood memories um, is 18 hours in a car to Atlanta, Georgia, and the only thing we listened to 
was Billy Joel's greatest hits for 18 hours. And I love. Yeah, remember how I said this episode had a lot of really Ari specific things? Having your yeah. most Italian American character be like, here are my strong opinions on Billy Joel it was pretty much like breaking into Ari's home and just eating at their like dinner table. It was weird. It was one of those things that like I was watching it happen. And I'm like, this is weirdly personal in Ari's direction. Yeah. And I mean, also, I want to talk about the fact that um, Billy Joel specifically is like the fact that he had such stringent opinions on it was, I think, the worst part of it for me. Like, this was clearly a man who had sat down and thought about Billy Joel. But I also, if any of you have ever read the book, and this this is a little obscure, um, it's called Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs. And it was one of the first pieces of pop culture criticism I ever read. And I was like 11 or 12, and I was probably not old enough to be reading that book but it was around my house and I had no adult supervision in my life so I read it and they talked about Billy Joel as being like the antithesis of cool in a way that made him very cool for a certain kind of person and that notion fits the character of Nate Haywood perfectly um yeah, and can we get into Nate a little bit because we talked about him last week but like here's the thing about Nate is he's kind of going on this journey of like the person he's madly in love with is kind of like, she doesn't know if she loves him or not. And he has a lot of strong. Him, I... Oh yeah. She does clearly love him, but, but he has like... a lot of strong feelings about this. And so it's one of those things where like, remember how last season you and I were on the fa- fence about, I almost just said fans, the fans about Nate. We were on the fence about Nate. And now we're sort of like, he's, he's our uh, horrible Italian child and he's never done a dish in his it. life, but we love him and he's very yeah. sweet. Um, his sort of behavior towards Amaya is actually turning off a lot of people to him. And it's one of those things where sometimes it does feel a little odd and a little disjointed and a little bit like, "Mm, I don't love this. I I mean, that's the other thing is that I don't, this was my major criticism of the episode is I did not like, okay, so he's flirting with Ray's mom. He thinks Ray's mom is hot, whatever. Okay. The second you bring in a character that has any kind of mind control ability and there's, and they're an antagonist and there's anything romantic involved, it's so uncomfortable. It's so fucking It's assault. Creepy. I mean, and that's the thing. is This is not Nate's fault. That's, no, I, it I, is I, not. From the way that that came... We're not saying it was Nate's fault for being mind-controlled and sexually Yeah, no, assault. Nate was assaulted, bigger, and it was very... And they're never going to address it. And so it's and one of those thing, things it's, that, like, it's oh, I hate when this happens. They don't view it as assault, which is not a problem specific to Legends and Tomorrow, Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, that's just what we're calling the show now. Phil, please change it so we're not wrong. Listen, who straight up gives a fuck? You guys don't know how old someone is when they're in middle school. I can call your show whatever the fuck I want. Um, They're 11 to 13, Philip. In any case, I, I, the thing is, is when they stop trying to will they or won't they, the two of them, Nate goes back to being who he was. But I think part of the problem is they are setting up these jokes. Like how I mentioned last episode... Amaya had that fake out moment with him where he was like hurt and like here's the thing is he has every right to be hurt in that situation because if this was real life and your sign or your sort of significant other basically who has not by the way explicitly said to you I really don't want to date you anymore but is more like I had to leave you for uh sad personal reasons but I still kind of love you maybe sort of like when she has him on the hooks like that and then is like oh actually my soulmate is this person we've just met it he's allowed to be hurt by it However, it's 
the problem is, is treating that like a joke comes back to hurt Amaya. And that's not good because I don't like this implication that she's jerking him around because the show is going to punish her for that sooner rather than later. I can feel it. So and I don't like I that. I also don't like the idea that like this really beautiful relationship that's blooming with Zari is some kind of like, and here's the thing is it is the CW. Is that a joke because she's in it's, love with like It's a Nate. joke or cause she's in love with Nate. And like, I love their relationship so much. And of course I'm going to, you know, like, really be into it because I'm don't know what's like because in my heart I know that Zari is going to end up with Ray probably and like they did have some really really cute scenes this episode and you know that I'm kind of like as terms in terms of like relationships on this show I'm just kind of like everyone in a big pile whatever they have one bathroom oh yeah Yeah. hold on we're going to come back to the one bathroom thing in just a minute because that's going to require at least 10 minutes of discussion um But it's one of those things where, like, I do think sometimes the writers know what they're setting fans up for when they're like, Amaya and Zari are soulmates. And it's it's one of those things that I don't think they're going to deliver on. No. And that's why, and like, that's why I'm making my own content for it because I'm like, I don't fucking need you guys to deliver on it for me because I know you're not going to, because I know you, Philip, uh, make up a middle name for me. Um, Hobgoblin. Philip Hobgoblin Clemmer are. A hobgoblin. And you're not going to give me what I want because you have a horrible bird face on your hobgoblin body. God, what if he ever listened to this? Uh, we mean it fondly. <laughs> you dry clean Todd Howard, you. You horrible uh, skin suit of a person. He's doing his best. But is he? The answer is no. No, no um, the answer is point, no. Because... I mean, the thing about the issue I have is, yeah, it's very clearly queer baiting, And I'm not really loving that, number one, the show is doing with Amaya and Zari. And two, when Ray flickers in and out of existence, which, number one, this is like the fourth time Mick has seen someone he loves die in front of him. So that's fine. And then Nate has to watch Ray die after having seen Amaya die. So... With that in mind, when Nate comes up to him and is like, I'm so glad you're okay. I love you so much. Yeah, speaking of queer baiting, it's not like... a tender moment. Yeah. And it's... It, it was, but I was also like, you're doing it's... the I love yeah. you man thing as like a joke. Yeah, and it's like... not like it's just Amaya and Zari because they're also like, well, maybe it'll be Amaya and Zari and then Ray and Nate will be together. And I'm like, maybe that could happen, Philip. Like, it's not a joke, Phil. That could actually have happened. Yeah, and, like, the thing is... And last season, um, Mick says to Ghost Len, I love you, man. And given all the fucking romantic texts they had and how much thought Wentworth and Dominic put into that relationship, and then to have a callback with this relationship that we have just... Nate and Ray, which we have discussed, is queerbaiting? Yeah. Like, how stupid do you think I am, you horrible hobgoblin man? But that's the... Like, they really do. Like, they think this is funny... Or, like, that it's a callback viewers will appreciate. And, like, I don't want you to do that. And it bothers me that Nate and Ray is being treated as a joke. And Zari and Amaya is being treated as a joke. Especially when, especially in the case of um, Amaya and Zari specifically, it's being treated as a joke. That it's, like, funny that Nate is being, um, you know, being jerked around by Amaya. And she's going to be punished for being unfaithful in the long run. And like, I don't like that. I don't, I, I, I know that that's kind of what's being hinted at and being set up. I really like it's, their relationship yeah. when they have tender moments, they're genuine and sweet. I don't like that. They have that. I now have to take them with a grain of, Oh, and they're going to make a joke about how Amaya and Zari are soulmates and then not follow through on it in any meaningful way. And it's really frustrating. And like, and this is the thing is like, I'm already like, Oh my God, Amaya and Zari are perfect together because 
first of all, and like, I don't want to get too deep into Macy's personal life, you know, and that's, I think, kind of funny coming from yeah, us. Yeah, I know. That's, yeah. That's no, kind I, of funny I, coming from us, but. I'm not on, comfortable talking about it. On the other it. hand, I am absolutely not comfortable talking about it because we're the same age. Um, she is a young actress. She is a young black actress, and I'm not comfortable labeling her or talking about that on, again, a uh, Stupid Jokes podcast. But yeah. I will say that I do think there is a lot of intent in how Maisie portrays her relationship with Zari, and I think she's probably being given some freedom with that. And, and I think fine. it's just kind of unfair to her to, to all, yank her chain. To yank her chain. To be like, oh, you can have the freedom to do this. You can play this however you want. But we're not but... going to follow if you want it. Ever. And like, and like, that does bug me. Because you I... having Sarah as a bisexual yeah. character is very nice. Fucking you don't get the away with doing like it's not also like a because, free pass like one shithead. bisexual is not going to hang out with a bunch of heterosexuals that's not how this works if sarah is canonically bi then everybody else on that ship is probably also bi or something else because yes we don't want to hang out with heterosexuals that's disgusting no. um and it is also sort of i think important to know these signs in media and be critical of them yes you know you can enjoy like i I really do love Steel Adam. I, I really love Nate and Ray's relationship a lot. They're both very tender, emotive people, and they're very sweet to each other. I like that. <laughs> but with that in mind, I am aware that I enjoy the ship and this character interactions, while also knowing when Nate says, I love you, man, and hugs him, the joke is supposed to be, oh, man, they got to, like, Ray even, I think, literally says, oh, I'm always up for, like, a little bit of bromance. I'm like, Ray, shut the he fuck up. He says I'm always up for a bro hug. Yeah, like, first off, shut up. You would let anyone hug you um, because you are made of marshmallows. And That's two... True. We learned that this week. He he is... Can we talk about... To, to get back to the actual episode, because we, we really what? got off track. This is important. It was important, imp- yes. Um, there's probably going to um, be... I want to talk about the fact that Mick was so proud of baby Ray shoplifting and Ray was about to kill himself because all I could think of is what what would Mick say if he was here? Well done. Well done, Lisa. Now steal something from Barry, too. It was just so clearly Mick, like, I'm so proud of my little, like, he was so happy. And it was really, again, these really cute character moments at the end of season two was kind of missing. I love this stuff. Um, I'm very happy to see them bringing it back. I kind of wish they would make, and this is, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the episode. I'm going to talk about something from the perspective of someone who loves character design and loves designing monsters. Um, how did Zari know automatically that Ray would want to be Sir Galahad? I mean, that's that sort of thing where this is, this is, this is suspension of disbelief. She said, number one, Galahad in Arthurian myth was one of, I mean, again, they've all been kind of described as the most pure and chaste of the, the knights at some point. But Galahad is especially noted for his nobility and yeah, purity. Yeah, I, I was like, Galahad this, is the mind. purest of the pure. I don't. But think also, he's... it was a narrative callback to when they had their Camelot episode and Galahad really liked Ray, And Nate didn't, was not fucking having any of that. Uh, which Who is loves really Ray cute. more now, you deadass bitch? Yeah, literally. Who loves Ray more now, you dead bitch? Like, it was literally. So I liked the callback. Is that baiting or coding? Yes. Or, no, um, that's just us making up shit as queer people yeah. who want to see ourselves on television. Episode. That was the episode where where Nate finds Ray almost like dead. You're right. That was the episode he's... where they directly paralleled the Ray and Kendra scene in season one. Yeah, it was so much. I'm so angry about that. Um... But that's what I mean. And those are moments of genuine queer coding. So I don't understand why the shit they've decided to start making it baiting. But that's neither here nor there. Um, 
this this is also the second time to completely divert, but this is the second time a shot a child has been shot to death on the show. Because this you're show absolutely opened, right. I, I was like, that was kind of hardcore. <laughs> and you're right. They literally just shot Rip's son, who was the same age, in the, in the fucking face. And I'm assuming the they also shot him. Baby Ray. This show has no issue. Phil Klemmer has no issue shooting children in the face. I want you guys to know this. Allegedly, <laughs> Phil Hobgoblin Klemmer has no say, issue shooting um, children in the face. This was less violent. Like, we see Jonas, there is much less ambiguity about how Jonas was shot and where he was shot. But with Ray, they did do a complete off-screen cutaway. But the implications are still very clear that they shot this boy and then they dumped his fucking body in the woods, which is, like, never called back to, but really disquieting. Yeah, it was um, fucking horrifying. Especially given, you know, the history of serial killers who have a fondness for, for young, young male boys. victims. Oh, no! Yeah. Oh. Can we talk yeah, about it was Zari really instead? And then they just kind of pretended like it didn't happen. I was like, okay, it's, I'm just Me not. Too. I'm not going to address Honestly, this because I don't have the time. Like, and here's the thing: is like Legends is queen of fucking having throwaway lines that open an entire fucking can of worms. Yeah, and like, I don't let's, realize. Let's finally get onto. I think what people have been waiting for us to talk about all night. Oh, okay. They only have one bathroom. Oh, uh, I have a ton of more stuff to talk about, but um, I, 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 I mean, we can talk about this because I think it. Deserves... I assume that they actually have more than one, but everyone just keeps using Jax's because it's the closest one to the kitchen, and they're a bunch of lazy bastards. Okay, um, I assumed that they either have like when you're in college and you have like shower stalls and toilet stalls and it's one shared bathroom, and this is not every college. Don't get nervous. Some dorms do have private bathrooms. But not all of them, so you may learn have to learn how to share a bathroom with other people. And or it's bathroom stalls and then they have one of those big group showers. Yeah, it's it's I mean, the thing is What's uh, funny No. Like we get like we do actually have a pretty clear idea of certain There's parts of the wave rider. We really don't know what the on, bathroom setup yeah, is like. There are thirty six rooms on this ship. Ten of them, I think, are bedrooms because everybody seems to have their own fucking bedroom. Why would there be ten bedrooms and one bathroom? Why would this ship be capable of handling at least eleven people if you count the captain and only have one bathroom unless it's a fucking dorm-style bathroom? I do also think that this is when we come back to... Sometimes I am like, it's just a throwaway line. I don't think they meant anything by it. This is one of those times where I'm like, I it's don't... kept me up I, all night last night. I tried calling Phil Klemmer. I, I googled Phil Klemmer. No, I didn't I, actually do this. I have, to, I have I never have actually think. googled Phil Klemmer's I, number. <laughs> I have other things to be worried about most of the time. Um, and also to a okay, certain so point... Okay, so like, I'm just a fucking mess, I guess. No, it's, I'm not criticizing you, but this is the sort of thing where stuff like this, I, I feel like sometimes because I get so interested in it, but I very much end up a dog chasing its tail because really I've come to ex- accept, especially on this show, I'm not going to get a clear resolution at any point ever about fucking anything. Yeah, wait so, a second. Do we want to go back to any plot points in the pilot that have been dropped so far? If he held a gun to my head and asked me to name a couple of them, I probably couldn't Yeah, I, I think the answer is actually just all yeah, I what you know what? Who gives God a shit? Fucking um, damn it! It's show. fine. It's fine. So with that in mind, I I cannot. 
once I start asking questions, I, I want to try to get an answer. And if not an in-text canon answer, I want an answer that seems like it would make sense within the context of the canon and, and is supported by evidence that is not necessarily an explicit confirmation, but supports certain theories or realities that would make sense. This show doesn't have any of that. This There is no question I could ask that I feel like I could have a confident, clear, concise answer to based on any form of evidence the show has given me. I just yeah. take all this shit as it comes. I mean, I could get mad about the fact that they just reference a Zelda, even though there's like 50 fucking hundred of them. A and Zelda. It's, it's not Ganon. It's not fucking Ganon. No one calls him Ganon. Holy shit. That is literally, <laughs> I, that is, you Cisco Ramon screams off camera. I'm clearly, I mean, I've clearly been holding this resentment in since it happened. Yeah, and the answer is, well, I here, damn well thing, fucking I have. Never get in, I dumb. don't know why I never got into The Legend of Zelda, but... I'm not even really a I big fan did. of it, but I have been playing video games for 20 fucking years, and that makes me sound really old, but I just started playing video games at, like, three, so yeah, I'm not that old. we both started playing video games very young, that's why our ADD is so bad. No, I, I mean, I started playing video games young because I had ADD, I think. Um, oh, and also because okay. I didn't have friends. That's why or... we're so violent. I'm sorry. Oh, I played Pokemon and like JRPGs and shit. I was, uh, I was, I was, I... I was making a pithy remark about how people blame video games for bad things that are okay, completely so... unrelated to video games. It was, <laughs> it was a funny joke. Um, but I guess I kind of regret it. I am very much like Baby Ray in that I'm not funny and or good at things. You're um, the fucking funniest and no one's person like I know, and you're amazing, and you're smart, and you're I, the I most beautiful I, person on the face of the I, earth. You're I'm like so a human unicorn. I'm so sorry. Thank you. That was really nice. Yeah. I I was I was joking. I love I'm you. Sorry. I really I really couldn't tell that you were making a joke. I'm sorry. That's really sometimes <laughs> no, hard to make. In any case, um, I I just I thought it was very funny because like. Ray, I actually this is this goes back the 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 the, the fucking bit about Ganon aside. Um, <laughs> I do actually love that we established this episode again that Ray is a fan of fantasy because there has been I think people tend to assume that he's a hard scientist and like motherfucker was inspired to become a scientist because of fucking Star Wars, which is basically a space fantasy. Uh, he doesn't it's do hard science. It's not basically a space fantasy. It's a it space, is literally it is a space fantasy. It is the most basic all space tropes fantasy, of fantasy They're just of in all space. time. But it is, it is the sort of thing where um, Ray has always had a much more fantasy-oriented mindset. And so this episode reminding us that Ray is not is a dreamer he's not a realist he's not he's not always logical he's much more empathetic he's a, he he loves fantasy and so that was really nice to get this 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 reminder of that uh because it's important to his character that he is much more of a fairy tale person than a hard science fiction kind of person or just hard science period so i really liked that um a lot because this was just a very good exploration of ray's character this was a good episode for that. And this episode, this, this show has always been strongest when it deals with character, character stuff. So to have an entire episode yeah. that was very innocent and sweet and about a really yeah. and there nice were, character. There was were great. a bunch of eighties references, but I was born in the nineties and I watched a lot of VH one, but I guess not that much. Cause I only understood some of the jokes. I didn't, I for and and I did I felt a lot like Katie Lotz when Phil Klemmer made that Beverly Hills Cop reference, waiting for Nick Zano to explain to me what the fuck is going on. That 
that reference that reference was only worth it because Nick jumped in with comedic but, like, timing. Speaking I've of fantasy, I'm gonna go into Zari now because she is my angel, and I'm ready to die for her. Um, there was a scene near the end of the episode that I don't want to get into too much detail about again because it's like this is like how much of my personal childhood experiences do I really want to share and the answer is not that many uh because this isn't a dating sim and you guys haven't unlocked that part of my backstory yet but I have they haven't (laughs) I don't even know if I've talked to you about this so I'm gonna I'm gonna oh man where baby Ray is so number one when he's so desperate for them not to take gumball I actually like I I start because like yeah I was also really really sad when you have no friends and you have this 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 wonderful animals are better friends for kids who have problems socializing because children are fucking mean the thing is is you know and this is all anecdotal from having worked with kids I'm not trying to say I'm like a licensed child psychologist but kids have a very binary understanding of the world and people around them so when it comes to personalities that may be non-neurotypical or outside the established norms of behavior for most children, they don't really respond to it well. There's very much an idea of, oh, if you're this, you can't be that. And if you're that, you can't be this. And that kind of explains a lot of race difficulties in a way that was really relatable and also just really fucking sad. Um, but I think... What I liked the most about the end scene was just, again, don't want to make it too personal, but there's a lot to be said for seeing him get to have these friends and and have his team stick up for him even before he really knows his team. And it was just it was just a really wonderful scene. I'm really I'm really happy with it. I'm really happy that this team loves Ray so much. Um, I'm just. I also love Ray a lot. I, number one, he's, I also a, he's the Ray. dream man. Only one issue: he likes musicals, and that is kind of a boner killer for me. See, not for me. So, uh, I guess I I win, bitch. He's uh my husband forever. All um, right, have fun taking that. Uh, It'll I, crush I, me to death. Oh yeah, you'll die. I'll it be will. Fine. It will. I I don't want to. I don't want to divert from the main subject, but I do have some very real concerns about how I would die if I was ever sexually involved with Brandon Routh. That's fair. Um, I would be fine. But <laughs> that's but with, well I have a bird body. Well no, I'm not I, I'm very fragile. Uh you're beautiful and I love you. But thank you. In any in any case, um it was just again like this was just such a what this ultimately comes down to is every single part of this episode minus some more um stringent criticisms i have as someone who's a giant fucking nerd um and way too into tv theory as a concept i i just i loved the shit out of this episode it was so good it was so wholesome um it was it was amazing i i i was just really happy with the ending of it i was really happy with everything about ray that was in it uh, I was just really happy with the episode as a whole. Um, and I know you want to talk about Zari, and I also love Zari. I love how willing she was to roll with Ray's. So Legends Ray's- did this thing that they do every single fucking time where they're like, Kendra and Carter have a married couple relationship. They're always bickering. Carter dies. 
Rip and Sarah are going to have a really hard time getting back together now that he's back on the Wave Rider. They're going to have some authority problems. They yell at each other for maybe five minutes, and Rip is like, you're an amazing captain, and I love you, and I would let you do anything to me at any time. Yeah. And now they're like, Zari and Ray will probably clash heads because he's an eternal optimist, and she's kind of pessimistic. And we have one scene where she's like, is he always this optimistic? And then she is immediately like, she has this innate goodness in her and this desire to be that that she couldn't be because she had to survive and it's one of those things where Ray is telling his baby self like I know we want the real world to be perfect but it isn't and Zari who has experienced an even more imperfect world than Ray has is like no you need to have faith and to see her have this goodness and this faith I was like I don't know what you guys were fucking talking about that she's like pessimistic or something because she is like this noble, kind, good. And like, it's one of those things where we were talking about how she and Amaya are connected. And we thought that Amaya, who is also very much this like pure Americana, like kind of archetype of good, like a Captain America kind of thing, because they're from the same era and they're kind of based Uh off the same hero model how we thought that Zari might make Amaya a bit more of the guile hero. And I think that's completely wrong. I think that Amaya and Zari are actually going to inspire each other to be like these really good, like pure beings of light, sapphic light. I mean, I was just very interested with that. Yes, they did. They did. She, she took a more optimistic bent and I thought it was very sweet that she's like, no, I have to keep him. Like I have to make sure Ray is still good even if she can't trust herself to be good right now for whatever reason, it was just very good. It was just very good storytelling. Um, I really liked the scene. I really liked how willing she was to play along with Ray in this way that she was like, she was okay having fun and being a little goofy. Like, you know, like, Oh, you have to, you have to, you have to, I don't have a team. I don't have Ray Palmer's school for people who don't believe in your themselves. You will believe in yourself in one episode or fucking less. But like, and that's the guy, like, he's just, that's just who he is. And like, it's very sweet. Um, and they're, and they're, they're back and forth is already very good. Um, mm. I'm very, I'm very pleased and interested with where this relationship is going. Actually, I want to see it when they develop were doing, further. Yeah, actually, they had some really snappy writing in the beginning of this episode when they were like two truths and a lie. And Mick was like, lie. And Sarah was like, and like, they keep responding to him. I was like, yeah, that's really clever. They're brats. But I think everyone on the show is a gay fucking brat. But with, I mean, the, the one, the one quibble I had is I, I, if Mick is an alcoholic, you, you got to handle that better guys. You, you yeah. Cannot... Another fucking throwaway line. I know. And I'm like, cause it, it, drinking before breakfast is not normal behavior um, for anyone. And that's accepted generally speaking. And you can't reference that as a throwaway line for a character when you've already made jokes about them being an alcoholic because it's because I will call the fucking police. Yeah. How many times have we called the cops on Phil Clemmer? Too many. Not enough at the same time. With that in mind, um, I did. Again, I like the writing surrounding her. Mm -hmm. I feel a little bad that I can't match your your exhaustive love of her but i'm also like isn't this how rachel must feel all the time when you talk about basically literally anything and i'm not critiquing in a lot of ways i think she's like my cisco 
And that's like, listen, I love And like, her. that's She's one of those things sweet. is like, we got into this really in-depth conversation about like queer baiting and queer coding and it was so intelligent and so smart. But then part of me loves Zari so much that I'm like, I'm going to ship her with whatever I want and I'm going and to be happy fine. and no one's going to stop me. And, and like, like I, that's totally fine. Yeah, of course I don't, it's fine. I don't, I don't want you to feel defensive. I'm not trying to make anyone feel defensive. I'm not trying to make anyone change their, you know, I, I'm not saying stop shipping things. Um, I'm not the fucking and, police. You know, unless it's like... You know, yeah. The I'm sorry. I should. I'm sorry. I should clarify. I'm not trying to make anyone stop shipping stuff between two consenting adults of legal age, um, who do not have a massive power imbalance in their relationship that would preclude informed, um, honest consent. And I do have to be that wieldy because sometimes people are bad, and sometimes. And, most of the time um and with that in mind i just sometimes shifts that are popular on ao3 oh, don't oh my god it's oh fuck, fuck or worse fuck. um but my point is is like i didn't this wasn't like i just i don't want to i don't I, I like her a lot i don't want anyone to think i don't you especially because i care about your opinion oh, thank um, you. but i just i i this isn't even a complaint i just really love how enthusiastic you are oh. um I like Thank her a lot. You. I think this is less personal for me because I wasn't yes. burned so badly by the shit they did with Sky. Yes, Cy every, I, really I mean, if, if you want me to go back into it every time, like just Zari being like, this is a team and they're a family and they immediately accept me and they let me be a good person. They're not going to be like, who do you think you are being such a good person? And like, I, I like having them in my life and I didn't think I would. And for her to have those emotions so quickly and to be allowed to be herself and to see and like to have a self that is good and unashamedly good so quickly. It just was everything I wanted and it warmed my heart so much and I was so happy and like I just I think one of the moments that I kind of teared up was when she said you will find people and you might not even know that you needed them because I was so happy for her and we've only known her for an episode and already I was like amazing well, spectacular never been done before no one has ever felt love like this before in their lives i was that's really funny to me yeah. because i didn't i didn't think about it about her i thought about it like in the context of ray because that's very much how i felt about you wow. um oh. and how i felt about making friends in general so i just think that that's very interesting that you were seeing it from zari's perspective and i was just kind of relating to um, Ray and how hard it is to, you know, how hard it can be to find quote unquote your people. I think um, there's something and... very inspirational for me about this person who is Zari. Like when the agent, who's the same agent that was from the crossover because he has the Richie Gecko glasses. God. Um, puts... We have five actors. And we no have five money. actors. Um, he pulls a gun on her and she's in a government facility and she immediately like kind of flinches because this is something she's basically been told her entire life is going to happen to her. Yes. And like the person she is to survive and this sort of coy, like vexing person who's sometimes a liar and like is kind of brutally honest is one facet of her. But then she is also allowed to be unapologetically dreamy and fantastical and good and help like bikes fly and an et reference that cost us the rest of the budget for this season just so much money next week's vampires are going to have fucking like the plastic fangs that they're not even like teeth attachments they're the white plastic no. fangs that you put in your mouth yeah no but it was, all, it, oh, <laughs> i mean i do really 
you know, there is a part of me that like, I, I, I really like her character. I really like her. I like her a lot. Um, I guess I don't feel like I need her character as much as you do. Cause I was not betrayed as badly by agents of shield. I mean, I was, That's but true. just by different characters and different fucking up of different characters. You know, I love Zari and I love that moment of you're going to find your own people and it's going to be amazing because that was something that yeah, again, cause I was also I thinking about care. the friends that I like made in college and stuff like that. You know, I yeah. was thinking about the people that I found and like how true that is and how I wish that was something I could have told myself. Like, that was very much like an, I wish I could have told myself this yes. when I was younger moment. Especially now because I have an intern that's so young and I see her going through this stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you everything people should have told me when I was 15 because I'm not as far from your age as you everyone else. Yeah, as everyone else giving you advice. Like, I still remember what that was like. And I don't really remember what it was like being eight. Ugh, it was just such a good... Like, when she started doing the voice, when she says to him, oh, and here's the other moment I cried, when she said, we're going to find him because that's what brave knights do, and she calls him Sir Galahad again, it mm -hmm. showed to me how much it mattered to her that she was finally allowed to be this person. I mean, I'm really, I, I, yeah, I mean, that. Also, I want yeah. her to wreck me. No homo. Well, I mean, I, I guess like, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm sorry. This is the sort of thing where because I, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm not interested. I don't want to sound like I don't care. Or sorry, don't sorry, hold on. I sorry. love how passionate you are. And I kind of want to let that take center stage because you really love her. And I think it's really nice that we have this character who can be this person, who can be the sort of person who is harsh when necessary and hard when they have to be, but they are not a fundamentally that they can become soft and good when they have the chance. Zari's harshness and her guile cunning is so clearly a product of, of what she's had to go through yes. and not a, a facet of her personality that is like ingrained in her and seeing her interact with Ray really cements that in a way that's organic and wholesome and sweet and I, I, I'm excited to see more of her and Amaya interacting. I'm excited to see more of her and Ray interacting. I think this is a good time to end. Yes. Uh, we're both really excited for next week's episode, but this episode was just wonderful and in a way that made me feel very happy um, in a very uncomplicated and wholesome way, um, which is so nice to get from this show. Um, yeah, really. It was just such a good episode. It was... It, it was it was wonderful. Um, it was just, just, just what I needed. And I am so happy we got to see more of Ray being Ray. And uh, I'm really excited for next week. But I definitely think this is an episode I'd watch again just because of how good it is. I, I actually think this is an episode. You know how we watch Over the Garden Wall every Halloween? Yeah. I would add this to our Halloween watching list along with other things that I cannot speak aloud. Yes, as long as the vampire uh, episode also doesn't fuck me. If that's a good episode... Then we'll probably also have that to our Halloween watching list, along with other things that I cannot mention. All right, then that... I, I you know, listen, I think it's worth it. I think this is a great episode. It was amazing. Yeah. And Oh, God! Yeah, uh, Um. sorry. Ari just messaged me because they thought I was being coy about things that I can't mention, and I told them what the thing I can't mention is, uh, which I cannot mention, and that uh, is their reaction. I'm frightened. I don't... Okay, so on that note... um. I am... Good night, everybody. Stay in school. I love you. Stay in school. Don't ever watch things on YouTube. Night, guys. Bye. Bye.